Amen. Right, so it's the book of Genesis on New Bible Study, and I don't know, I was thinking, should I have given you a recap of Matthew 28 last week? Well, I'll let you off. Basically, it's summarised like this. He lives. <laughs> he won, yeah? Okay, and that's Matthew 28. But we're, we're, on, to, uh, we're on to Genesis uh, chapter 1, and it's, it's our new Bible study, the book of Genesis. And like I said, it's 50 chapters, so um, that's about a year or so. It's time to commit to that season ticket, eh? And uh, yeah, we, we've, uh, well, this is uh, the first game of the season on, on Genesis. And um, look, ma- many of us encourage new believers to start in John, don't we? And, and, and then some new believers and people who haven't read the Bible ignore that and start in Matthew. And others will ignore all of that and start in Genesis, won't they? And, and some would say, well, it is the first book of the Bible. And fair enough, yeah. And on, on a surface level, look, it's... it's Again, it's not a difficult book to read through, but there is a lot in there as well. And to study it out, we're going to hopefully, um, hopefully learn a lot of stuff going through this over the next year. I'm excited about it, and um, I'm hoping we're all going to learn plenty as we go through it. So we're, we're going to get started. Um, we're in Genesis chapter 1, and let's look at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I'd like to pray before we continue with this. Father, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for um, this this book of the Bible, uh, the book of Genesis, Lord, and the many truths we can get out of there, the many... Um the, the many just moments of history we're going to look at um, and Lord help help just you know this whole study this whole year of, of Wednesday evening Bible studies um, to just be done according to your will just fill me with your spirit Lord um, help me to just preach this book accurately and boldly and clearly help me to preach what you'd want me to preach and not to not to preach what you wouldn't want me to and um, starting tonight Lord with this first chapter what's you know what a great chapter of the Bible um, a fundamental chapter of the Bible help me to preach this just clearly accurately boldly help everyone have attentive ears Lord in Jesus name for all this Amen okay so in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth you heard it right didn't you God created it and um, and I say that obviously because there, there are a lot of supposedly respectable intellectual people that think they know better aren't there out there and um and they would look at this and say no the first sentence in the holy bible is wrong because that's ultimately what they're doing aren't they i mean you if you're discrediting the first sentence you're discrediting the rest of the bible and if the bible isn't correct about who created the world then how can we trust it about anything else right and that's why there is a a a, a pretty you know a multi-pronged attack on creation on that and there's many angles it comes from and it seems like just anything will do as long as it's not what the bible says and they keep coming out with new figures and new so-called facts and new so-called science truths and everything else and and like i said some of these people appear to be intellectual people and and look they believe that basically mankind has become so much wiser don't they that that so much more learned has developed you know, such, such advanced scientific methods now that we, we have the real answer. And, and the thing is, there are those that believe that, and those that just believe that that must be the case and don't even really know what they believe as long as, well, someone intelligent said that that's not the case, so I'll go with that, yeah? Um, and what they believe is this. They believe that in the beginning, wait for it, nothing created the heaven and the earth. I mean, that is honestly what they believe. And it, and it is laughable, isn't it? And f- fortunately for most, for most, look, rational, normal people dismiss that. They do, don't they? And, and I, I think it surprised me when I first really started soul winning and talking about this a lot more after I was saved, just actually how many people out there just completely dismiss that nonsense. 
And at first, because I think you're, you're led to believe I'm just going to be constantly debating this. Seems to be everywhere. Everyone must believe this. But look, I mean, that's a bit of a jump, isn't it? To go to nothing created everything. I mean, you've either got to be a complete moron or you've just got to be willing to, to believe like a complete moron. And, and there aren't actually that many. And I, now, it might be that, obviously, generally, we're going to go to places where we consider them to be more receptive, which will generally be less prideful places, less wealthy places, uh, and people, at least there, are still a bit more grounded in truth, aren't they? Whereas as the pride goes up, sadly, this, this just appeals to the prideful, doesn't it? I'm much cleverer than that. You know, I'm much, much wiser than people that believe this archaic old book and everything else. But it, it's so foolish, isn't it? It is so foolish what they claim to believe, these people. So, like I said, the prideful self-styled intellectuals, they are out there. But is it because they really believe that nothing created this world? Is that, do you think that's what it is? Do they really believe that? Do they really deep down believe that? Do they really believe that an explosion created order? Because that's what they kind of cling to, isn't it? Uh, apparently, I think the Big Bang's still the kind of the 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 most popular um, scientific. Well, what do they even call it? A hypothesis, really? It's a theory, isn't it? It's a theory, and it, and and that seems to be it. Do they really believe that, though? Uh, because what does it do? It goes it goes against the real observable science of is it the second law of thermodynamics? I mean, how are you going to create order out of that sort of chaos of an explosion? Do they really believe? that a load of logical impossibilities become feasible when you have millions and millions or billions and billions of years? Is that the missing ingredient? That suddenly things which can never be observed, have never been observed before, suddenly become real because we've, we've added the missing ingredient, the secret millions and billions that solves it all. No, it, it, what, it, what is it? It's a convenient excuse to reject God. That's really what it is. It's just a convenient excuse to reject God, and it's one which appeals to those types of people that believe they're cleverer than that, they're more intelligent than people of, of years gone by, that they actually are much wiser. And it's funny because it really seems that people are getting more stupid. I mean, that's what I see out there. I just see people getting more and more stupid. And just because there's some advances in, in, in certain forms of, you know, engineering and things like this, that doesn't mean that on a whole, mankind isn't getting more stupid. And, and to believe this, you've got to be pretty thick. To believe that, that literally nothing created everything, that an explosion of nothing created this just this world which could not exist without everything being perfectly aligned and we're going to look at that um, in a bit anyway but okay it's an excuse to reject God uh, and it's not because of some amazing new technology okay it's willful rejection of the creator turn, turn to Jeremiah chapter 2 though turn to Jeremiah 2 because this isn't anything new okay it, it's a willful decision to reject the creator and this has gone on from from you know time long gone before yeah people have always found ways and reasons to reject the creator and to worship something else and these people ultimately worship something else jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 26 says this jeremiah 2 26 as the thief is ashamed when he is found so is the house of israel ashamed they their kings their princes and their priests and their prophets so what is it that should make them ashamed that's basically an embarrassment to them well look at verse 27 saying to a stock, which is basically a tree stump, thou art my father, and to a stone, thou hast brought me forth. 
for they have turned their back unto me and not their face, but in a time of trouble they will say, Arise and save us. And what do the majority of these atheist types do in the times of trouble? They call unto God, don't they? I'll tell you what, all those guys that claim they don't believe in God, when, when the chips are down, who are they calling out to? They're crying out to God. And then what happens? They get even angrier because God doesn't just grant them their wishes. Because they're rubbing their, their proverbial lamp and going, you know, I'm, I'm begging you for this. Why aren't you just answering, answering what I say? And, and let's be honest, most, many of these people, if you talk to them on a door, so you knock on a door and they'll go, you, you know, you start talking to them about the Bible or about, about salvation. They'll go, well, I'm an atheist. And when you try and say, well, blah, 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 they go, well, you know, I'm not happy with how X, Y, and Z happened. Or God did this. Or, well, when you see what happened in my life, you would feel the same. And, and really, what they're really saying is, I don't like God. I'm rejecting God. I've got the hump with God. So I'm going to claim atheism. And, and that's, for me, I don't know about you guys, majority of people that claim they're atheists, that's the sort of stuff that comes out afterwards, isn't it? It's God hatred, God rejection. Okay, and, and who is it always the God of the Bible? They'll go, oh, I'm just so angry with, you know, Allah. I'm so angry with whoever. It's always God, isn't it? It's the God of the Bible. I'm angry, I'm mad, so I'm going to choose atheism. And they turn about. But then, and, and also, because even while they turn about, they still call out to him. They'll call out to him, but then claim that they don't believe, but really it's because they don't like him. They don't want to believe, they don't want to put their trust in him, they don't want to acknowledge him. Verse 28 says, But where are thy gods that thou hast made thee? Let them arise if they can save thee in the time of thy trouble, for according to the number of thy cities are thy gods, O Judah. Let Stephen Hawking arise and save them. And I'm not trying to make a joke there about, about that. Rich, Rich, is he dead now, Stephen Hawkins? Okay, definitely not arising and saving anyone. Richard Dawkins, the drooling pervert. Let him arise and save him, right? I mean, that guy is sick and twisted, isn't he? I think I've talked about that before. Neil deGrasse Tyson, or any of these other guys. It was one of the Mitchie or Cucker, I was trying to remember his name, yeah? Oh, are they arising and saving him? Because they're the gods they've made. Because most of these people, really, they don't even know half what those guys, but they just like, yeah, he says it doesn't exist, so I'm going with him. That guy's really intelligent. That guy sounds really clever. That guy's got, like, doctorates in this, that, and everything else. And that's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? You know, they're, they're, they're gods. They're the gods of the, this world, or at least the atheist so-called of this world. Uh, and they, they've, they've made gods of these so-called intellectual clowns. And, yeah, you know, they're wordy. I'm sure they've got... I'm sure they could have had... They, I'm sure they could have had some good knowledge, these guys, if they'd applied it to the right thing instead of God-hatred and God-rejection. And, and, or what else they make, make gods of money. And it's money as well. And for a lot of these people, it's kind of, well, you know, if I want to succeed, I want to worship money, make, make money my God, then I kind of need to reject God. So atheism's quite handy, and I could just chase money, chase money, chase money. And with one of my other gods, you know, just hang off the words of, like I say, some, some idiot. Sometimes it's not even a scientist. Sometimes someone like Ricky Gervais. Or, or Stephen Fry, the, another drooling pervert. In fact, they all are, aren't they? At least the, the false prophets in the atheist world. Turn to Psalm 53. Because, look, the majority of these God-doesn't-exist types, I believe they know, they know deep down that, that they choose this religion of atheism instead. Okay, so for the majority, that's what they choose. However, 
Well, as you turn there, I'm going to read uh, Jeremiah 10.8, which says, but they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. It's just a doctrine of emptiness. It's nonsense. Most of these people, I think, deep down know that. And when you start to prick them with the word of God and everything else, they know it's true. That's why they usually just turn and go, well, I don't like God in one way or another. But then you've got the false prophets, the false prophets of atheism, haven't you? The Dawkins, like I said, the Gervases, the Stephen Fry's, all these people, all these false prophets of atheism. And these God-hating preaching preachers of lies are worse, aren't they? These aren't just people that kind of know deep down. They have got to the point where they hate God so much, or they'll claim it's the version of God from the Bible they don't believe in, that... Look, these people, their hearts, their hearts so hard. And they, I believe they're the people being talked about in places like Psalm 53, and I think it's Psalm 14 as well. Psalm 53, 1 says, it's the Psalm of David, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. The fool, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Look, to say in your heart, that's not just saying out with your mouth because you don't like it. To say in your heart, there is no God is a rejected heart, isn't it? That's a rejected heart, it's a foolish heart that's been darkened. And what a surprise, aren't they always just super weird, these people? Like, it all comes out in the end, doesn't it? I mean, there's nothing that, that, that shall be hidden, is, is there? Like when you see these people and eventually it comes out, I mean, Dawkins has come out with all sorts of weirdness. He thought that mild paedophilia was okay. I mean, that guy's a sick, twisted pervert. And the rest of them are, because they've been given over to a reprobate mind. But go back to Genesis 1, because for normal, rational people, the creation is evidence of the creator. That's one of the things I kind of try and say just in a nutshell on the door. If I think I might get a chance, I just go, well, for, I think I've said it tonight. So I said, well, I had a few tonight, funnily enough, in, in preparation for this. Having said I don't see them so often, I'm starting to get them a little bit more, I must admit. But I had, uh, maybe it's because we're doing local area stuff, they're a bit more middle class around here. And I had, you know, someone say, well, I don't believe. And I said, well, you know, I, I think... You know, many would just say the creation is evidence of the creator. And, and I think this one kind of, it was polite, you know, we're just polite with it. But for most normal people, that's the case, isn't it? And, and you know, we, I've used analogies of this. It often doesn't really get you anywhere, does it? But things such as, you know, if I, I, I used to say this to people and people that I'd have a bit more time with, people I used to coach would say, look, if I, if I had a robotic arm, yeah, and it was a perfect robotic arm, and it was nearly as good as a human arm, although that would be impossible for me to make. And I had this robotic arm, and, and it was doing it, it was picking things up, moving things, turning things, everything else, playing sport, the rest. And I said, and, and you said to me, Where did you get that from? And I said, It just made itself. I, I, you know, this is what I say to people say, You call me an absolute nutter, wouldn't you? And, and would it be any difference if I said, Ah, uh -huh, but you're missing out on something? It happened over millions of years. It's ridiculous. It'd be, it's laughable, isn't it? It's laughable. And, and most normal people still don't believe that. Okay, Don't believe that rubbish, or at least don't claim to believe that rubbish. The word, and, and here's the thing, the, the creation is evidence of the creator, and the word of God it is evidence that the creator is a God of the Bible. Okay, So you've got, you've, got, you've got the creation is evidence of the creator, and then the word of God is evidence as to it's the creator of the Bible, it's the God of the Bible, okay? And everything else just pales in, in, in comparison, doesn't it? It's ridiculous. The other so-called holy books, 
there, there, there are impersonations out there, but, but nothing compares. It, you're in Genesis 1, but Romans 10 to 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's the word of God that does it, isn't it? The word of God is unlike anything else. Like, like we read, I think we, we, I quoted the other week, and I think, again, it's from, from the book of Jeremiah. It's like, it, his word is like a fire, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. And, uh, and that's the word of God, and there's nothing like it, is there? And it is evidence as well, but ultimately it comes from faith, doesn't it? It comes from faith, and that comes from the word of God. Uh, verse 1 said, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And, uh, just a heads up on this, because there's a lot of false doctrine that comes out of the book of Genesis. Heaven can mean the sky, can mean what we know of as space, and it can mean the spiritual place as well. Okay, so it can mean sort of one of those three things. Its literal meaning is up high. Okay, that's basically what heaven means, just up high in the heights, yeah. And, and for me, he, he created everything up high and everything down on the earth in the beginning, okay? That's what we're, that's what we're seeing. He just basically created everything, yeah? The, so there were no billions of years of the universe first, okay? It was all created together. Everything you see up high and everything you see down low was all created in the beginning by God, okay? Then verse 2 then says, And the earth was without form, and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So we've got the Holy Spirit moving. And where did the light come from? Where did the light come from? Well, turn to John chapter 1, because there was no sun, moon and stars yet, was there? They came on the fourth day. You're turning to John chapter 1, John 8, 12. John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, where you just were, we have the Trinity, don't we? With the Holy Spirit in verse 2, and the Word of God, the light of the world in verse 3. Yeah? But they're all equally one God, aren't they? John 1 and, and well, John 1 and where you are in verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. So the word being Jesus Christ, as we know from verse 14 and other places in the Bible, the same was in the beginning with God. So how does that work? It's very profound, but basically it's because he was with God the Father and he is God the Son. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Now John here is showing us that Jesus Christ was not only that light in the beginning, but it was also, for me, a picture of something then. And bear in mind, you go, oh, yeah, but that was kind of written afterwards. And well, well, no, it wasn't, because his word is from everlasting, isn't it? And, and it's, it's, it was forever settled in heaven. Verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So Jesus Christ was that light which shined in the darkness. And back in Genesis chapter 1 then, in verse 3, where it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, verse 4, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So... You don't have to turn it, but John 12, 46 says, I am come a light into the world. It's Jesus talking that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. So the light represents Christ. And, and I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? The darkness represents the unbelieving world. 
Okay, now, don't get me wrong, this, this is creation, this is what happened, but there are pictures, even in Genesis chapter 1, of that light, and we see it clip, like, explained to some degree then in John 1, that, that light basically being Jesus Christ, and then the darkness being the unbelieving world. What did God do? He divided them, didn't he? And there's this point of this division. Uh, and look, the world, the world wants to try and merge them back together, doesn't it? So God divided the light from the darkness, but the, girl, the, the world kind of wants this sort of dull day and bright night, doesn't it? it? It wants to merge it all together and turn it back into this sort of just ecumenical world religion type thing, this ecumenical type Christ. But God divided the two. There's a division between Jesus Christ and the unbelieving world. Okay, No matter how, how they try and worldly off Jesus and how they try and sound and act religious and holy the world there's a clear distinction isn't there and, and when it comes to real Jesus he's as different to the world as light is from darkness isn't he he's as different from the world and from the worldly versions and from the world's religion and from the world's so-called version of Jesus Christ all their false so-called religions in Christianity and others as as light is from darkness and if we believe we should be divided from the unbelieving world too, well, if we believe that, as we should, because the Bible says that, we should then, therefore, be as different as Jesus Christ is, shouldn't we? Yeah? But, but here's the thing with that. The day and night still exist together, though, don't they? They still exist together. We still have to live with the world, but we should be distinguishable, shouldn't we? So we still have to live with the world... However, we should be distinguishable from the world. Look, light, light and dark still has to be there in the world together, but they separate, they're divided, aren't they? And, and how do we do that? It's not because we're trying to be distinguishable, but because we're trying to live how God wants us to. And you live, the more you live how God wants you to, the more you're just going to be divided from the darkness, from the unbelieving world. Romans 12, 2, you don't have to turn there, says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God, in fact, divides us, but it's not automatic, is it? And a lot of, a lot of false versions of Christianity will claim that you just automatically become Christ-like because you got saved. You're just going to automatically change. No, it's by us conforming more to Jesus Christ and how we do that through his word. It's through the word of God. Yeah, and that's how we then will divide from the darkness as well but we make a conscious decision are you going to be more Christ-like are you going to follow Christ if you are you're going to be like that light of the world and that clear division from from the darkness now it's all through his word isn't it and what does his word say in verse 6 back in Genesis 1 his word says this and God said let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters and this is where those that want to believe in some almighty pointless conspiracy because it would be a pointless com conspiracy they'll say something like look there's something firm in the sky it's a firmament it's firm yeah and then they're coming out you know it's actually we've all just been lied to there's just been this massive multi-billion bank conspiracy to to and i don't know what they actually i think the christian ones think it's because they're trying to discredit the bible you know all the flat earth stuff is what i'm talking about and all that kind of stuff but it's not because the bible doesn't say that so what's the point in it what does it achieve? Because it doesn't discredit the gospel, and it's the gospel that we're preaching, and it doesn't discredit the Bible when you actually understand what firmament is. Because they'll say things like, it's a barrier, won't they? Look, it's a firmament. You're taken away from the word of God. But is that what firmament means? 
if it, if it did mean a barrier, look at verse 20. How do birds fly in it? In it. Verse 20 says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. I mean, how on earth would a bird fly in, in, in something that's a barrier and that's firm and it's some sort of lid or whatever else they want to call it, a dome or something else, yeah, that NASA's been lying to you about for however long? What does firmament mean? It means an expanse. It's a wide extent, a space. God, God divided the waters with an open space that we call the sky. Now, what, what waters did he divide? Some suggest that you might have heard... Um, have you heard like where they'll say, oh, there must have been this canopy of water pre-flood, yeah? Okay, so many people have kind of talked about this and gone, oh, I think, and then they talk about that's why people live longer, and oh, I don't know. But for me, it's the same canopy we have post-flood, and it's called the atmosphere. That's it, that's it, that's what we're talking about. That, that's, that's the separation. It's the waters from the waters, and we have a lot of water up in the air called the atmosphere. One estimate of the volume of water in the atmosphere, and again, these are estimates at any one time, and this seemed quite a popular one, is 3,100 cubic miles. So that's 3,100 miles that way, that way, and that way. Yeah, a cube, yeah? That's a lot, right? <laughs> okay, that's a lot of water in the sky. Now, this is only a fraction of the total water on the Earth if you can compare it to the vastness of the oceans. But it's a lot of water still, isn't it? 3,100 cubic miles. That's a sizable amount in the atmosphere. What's it for? Why did God separate? Why did God give us this atmosphere which is full of basically water vapour at least? Well, according to National Geographic, the atmosphere protects life on Earth by shielding it from incoming ultraviolet radiation, keeping the planet warm through insulation and preventing extremes between day and night temperatures. The sun heats layers of the atmosphere, causes it to convect driving air movement and weather patterns around the world. Sounds pretty, pretty, uh, pretty important to me, uh, to you. That atmosphere sounds pretty important. It, it must have been an accident, right? Just an accident. An explosion just caused an atmosphere. Yeah, sure. Well, verse 6, it said, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Now, the reason that it's nothing compared with the vastness is because then the waters go to much greater depths, the ones on the earth. But when you're talking about just on the surface of the water, and bear in mind it talked about the Holy Spirit being on the surface of the waters, and then we have that separation, and then you have the water which, which acts as the atmosphere. And it says... He, Basically, when it says, let there be a firmament, he created an open space in between the waters. And here's a quick thought that I had on this, and I'll be interested in what you think afterwards. I haven't really had time to go into it in depth. But if the light being divided from the darkness represented believers in the world, and that's what we see from John 1, don't we, yeah? yeah and, other, and other passages. Could the waters being divided represent the living water, the word of God being divided from the, being divided from the words of men, maybe? I don't know. Think about it, that's what Walter is constantly, um, constantly picturing in the Bible. Ephesians 5.26 said of Christ the church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Yeah? Verse 2 here said, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. John 6.63 says, It's the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I... 6.63 this is, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The, the, word, the words of God 
Well, the inspired, preserved living words of God are often pictured by water. Maybe there's a picture there, that division of that, but um, that's about as far as I've got with that. But have a look, have a look if you want to be interested in what you think. Verse 7 in Genesis 1 says, And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So this is the sky, right? It's not talking about God's eternal dwelling place. So day one was heaven and earth, night and day. Day two was the atmosphere, okay? That's where we're up to. Verse nine, it says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called his seas, and God saw that it was good. So it's not that piece of land broke off. Anyone ever heard these theories before, where they think, like, the continents were previously joined? And, well not the waters were gathered into the seas okay that's not not how it worked but anyway verse 11 says and god said let the earth bring forth grass the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree, tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and god saw that it was good in the evening and the morning were the third day. So day one was heaven and earth, night and day. Day two was the atmosphere. Day three was the dry land of vegetation. And notice it's constantly bringing forth after its kind. Yeah, we're going to see that again in a second. Verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and, and for days and years. Now, remember that firmament means expanse, wide extent, a space, yeah? We, we, we had a firmament or space dividing the waters called heaven, meaning heights or elevation. Yeah, up high, you could say. We, we, for us, we're looking at that as a sky it, it, of what we call it now. However, as with the firmament, okay, the, the atmosphere isn't a barrier, though, is it? Okay, so remember, they want to make these people who want to come out with all this crazy stuff want to make out like the firmament is a barrier. No, it's just that the sky separates the water there and the water down here, right? So, there's an expanse between the seas and the atmosphere, which is the sky, but the open space continues beyond the atmosphere, doesn't it? Okay, so that's what we're seeing here in the firmament of the heaven. So, in the open space up high, we're now seeing the lights because there was no right, well, there's nothing beyond the, the, the waters that have been divided, which we know of as the atmosphere. So, basically, you've got this expanse up high, we call it space, which God puts stars in, which also divide the day and the night, yeah? Okay, so that's what we see up there. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. So what are these a picture of? If we're looking at pictures here, we'll turn to J Daniel chapter 12. If Jesus Christ is the light, the stars represent his children shining forth that light, don't they? And that's what we see in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. You can look at Daniel 12 and verse 2. Daniel 12.2 says, <clears throat> And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So the brightness of the sky, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. I believe the wise here are those soul winners that will shine as the brightness of the firmament 
and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. If you're a soul-winning Christian, you were being pictured on day four of the creation of the world. That's what I believe. That's pretty cool, isn't it? If you're a soul-winning Christian, if you're out and you're turning many to righteousness, you were being pictured on day four of the creation. That's amazing, isn't it? And, and look, that's, that's what it's about really, isn't it? That's, look, you, you, people go on about shining their light and then they try and take it to, well, I don't see you shining your light because you're not, you know, saying that, all queers are welcome or whatever else it is you know because you're judging or some other kind of kind of fake unbiblical standard they put on you but what really is shining shining the light it's going forth and preaching the gospel isn't it because he's the light of the world it's preaching jesus christ yeah anyway let's go back to back to genesis 1 with that in mind then it says in verse 16 and god made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, he made the stars also. So the sun and the moon, and, and by the way, just on this, the moon reflecting the sun's light doesn't stop it being a light. Anyone ever heard people try to attack this as like, oh, the Bible got it wrong, it's calling the moon a light. But that's like saying that my old solar panelled security light wasn't actually a real light because it was powered by the sun. It was still a real light. It's quite a good light, actually, as well. And you know, I didn't have to wire it all up, so I was quite pleased with that, yeah? Okay? It's still a light. The moon's still a light, even though it uses the sun's light, right? Anyway. Okay, so we've got those two great lights. And I, I'm, I, I'd have to... I need a bit more time if there is a picture there. I'm not sure. I know, obviously... Is it, um, is it Joseph's dream where the moon and the sun picture his mother and father? There's something in there, isn't there? If anyone's got something there, preach it next time you preach it. Yeah. Okay, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. So, it, it, so again, the firmament of the heaven in space here, yeah? Not, not installed in some firm dome cover, okay? Not like stick-ons on the dome, okay? This is in the firmament, it's an open space, yeah? And, and I think with a lot of these people, if they could just get over the firm part of the word firmament, and I think they would you know, probably most of their doctrine would collapse, wouldn't it? But anyway, and to rule over the day, and, and they should have done that with verse 20, shouldn't they, where the birds were flying in it? Anyway, and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. So that division is important. We're seeing that division, that light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. Yeah, and again, like we said in that picture, God likes that division, okay? Verse 19, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So day one was heaven and earth, night and day. Day two was the atmosphere. Day three was the dry land of vegetation. Day four was sun, moon, and stars. And then verse 20 says, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly, the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. So as mentioned Obviously, a few times now, the firmament is affirmed. It's the sky and the birds flying it. Then verse 21, And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. So were the sea creatures and the fowl or birds morphing into new creatures? No. They were brought forth abundantly after their kind, which is another way of saying after their individual species, yeah? Which again, 
is an easily observable truth, you would think, wouldn't it? Would, would, you, you would think so. Fish, birds, animals, yes, adapt to their surroundings, but where are all the, where are all the cross-betweens then? So it's, it's uh, and, and you know, it, it does get, I know it's not, like I said, it's not as mainstream as people would like you think. However, it is a bit annoying, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, where'd you get this rubbish? Uh, we would be seeing it everywhere. Everywhere there'd be all these cross-between creatures because because they'll go, well, it was over billions of years. Well, why is it not still happening then? Oh, what a coincidence. It just stopped happening whilst we're here to observe it. That's what they believe, don't they? Or at least, well, it's so gradual, you can't actually see any example of it. Well, where are all those ones that are in this gradual change? And if it was so gradual, man, there would be some pretty weird creatures, wouldn't there? Some pretty lame creatures out there as well, which are just in this gradual change, which just doesn't seem to have done anything at all over the last 6,000 years. But anyway, nowhere. Nowhere do you see these types of cross streams because it's ludicrous. There is no such thing. Verse 23 says, in the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So day one was heaven and earth, night and day. Day two was the atmosphere. Day three was the dry land of vegetation. Day four was sun, moon and stars. Day five was sea creatures and birds. Okay, now look at verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God saw that it was good. So all after their own kind again. This is the, the land animals now, isn't it? And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, uh, the air sorry, and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So notice the us, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who's he referring to? Is it, is it the angels? Some people try to come out with this one. I had, I, I don't know if I've ever told you about this before. I had this, this damnable heretic, two of them come to my door many years ago, I was recently saved, and showed me this verse. They came and I should have just cast my, I, to be fair, at the door I did ask them, do you believe in, in, in the Trinity? Do you believe in grace through faith? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I said, okay, come on in then. Yeah, they said, oh, we've, uh, this is what they asked me. They said, could, uh, there was a lady and she said, could her protege, this young boy, show this, um, a study he's done on God the mother. Now, in my mind, innocently, I just thought, oh, they're just going to be trying to show, you know, kind of his, his kind of, uh, his parenting attributes or something else, you know. I was like, okay, yeah, coming in. And it, I used to live in a very heavily Korean area and there was kind of this, this cult amongst them which was believing this. Anyway, came into my house and... Um, and sat down, got out their Bible, and started showing me that this proves that there was actually a God the Father and a God the Mother. And really, it's back to the Queen of Heaven, Roman Catholic idolatry, really, isn't it? You know? But this was like, there is a God the Mother. Look, our, look, let us make man, let us make man in our image. And even I was recently saved, fortunately, I my King James Bible. So firstly, I started pointing out some of the errors in their false Bibles. I was kind of on that kind of gravy train at the beginning. I quite enjoyed that, you know, and like, like pointing that stuff out. And then I was like, but he's clearly talking, talking to the son, isn't he? Yeah, it's the father talking to the son. And they, she looked shocked. The, the, the kid who I don't think had been given over, I mean, she was, she was a, a reprobate all day long. She started getting angry and she started, we got in a row and then I kicked her out. But 
the, the, the lad, the lad with her, he was kind of, oh, like, she, she was translating. What did he say about this? His English was shaky, but what did he say? He was really interested, and I was showing him the differences in the Bibles between their Bible, and I had this little list at the front of my old Bible with all the differences. And, so anyway, it's quite interesting. Point being, though, they took this verse, and people just love to take a verse and just run with all this craziness, don't they? And, and let us make man in our image must be, must be, a, must be some lady up there. Must be got the old mama up there, you know? She was there stirring the kind of soup and then, you know, had a little chat with God. Well, no, because if you turn to, uh, in fact, have a look at Genesis chapter 5. Well, you're in Genesis and Genesis chapter 5 verse 1 says, Genesis 5, 1 says, This is a book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. So we're made in the image of God. However, remember there are three persons who are one God, aren't there? First John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So we're made in the image of God. We're not identical, though, are we? He said in the likeness of God. Okay, so look, it's not that we're identical. Well, obviously, because we all look different, don't we? But we're made in his image. And, and I was thinking about this as well. Remember when Moses, uh, Moses sorry, asked to see God the Father and, and he spoke of not seeing his face, he spoke of covering him with his hand, of only seeing his back parts. Yeah, so God the Father, at least we're in the image of God the Father and God the Son, yeah? Okay, and I don't know exactly, it would be interesting exactly how they look, right? But we're made in their image, yeah, we're made in their image. Um, and obviously no other animal or no animal, we're not an animal, no animal's made in their image. Yeah? We're made in the image of God. We're very different to animals, aren't we? And we have a soul and we're going to see that in the next chapter. Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So we're back in Genesis 1 and verse 27. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So th that command wasn't just pre-fall, was it? Because we saw it given to Noah post-flood as well. Mankind was commanded to be fruitful and multiply to replenish the earth and subdue it. Yeah? What does it mean to replenish? Anyone ever heard the false doctrine coming out of the word replenish before? Yeah, a couple, yeah. So, so the add to God's word types who dream in millions of years to, to yoke up with the world, yeah? They want to claim that the world was already filled with dinosaurs or something. Okay, basically what these people are, they're compromisers. Okay, they're compromisers that can't just stand on the word of God. So have to somehow try and merge in the madness of the world into the word of God. They can't just take the word of God for what it says. So what they do is they go, okay... Oh, replenish. Let's jump with that. Now we can try and fit in the nonsense of evolution because all those clever people can't be wrong, could they? I mean, I could, I mean wow, how could they be wrong? I mean, I've been at university for years. How could they be wrong? So then they're like, oh, let's just add in, you know, sort of some, some millions of years somewhere. And that's why it's replenish because the, it must have already been, ha you know, uh, what's the word for it? Habitated? Got that wrong? Something like that. Okay, it must have already had people on it. Okay, let's go a bit easier here. Okay, and, and now it must, you know, something's changed and now we've got to replenish it. That's, that's a billions of years. In fact, was, he probably made it with a big bang as well, didn't he? Okay, but is that the case? No. 
The word is defined here, okay? It's defined here because it's the first time it's used where we're day six and mankind has just been made along with animals, right? Okay, so we, we're clearly day six. He's just made it clear what, what a day is, yeah? The evening and the morning, okay? So we're up to day six and he's just made mankind. And here's an interesting thing is that modern dictionaries seem to now have replenishers being to refill, yeah? To, so if I, and, and most of us would think of replenishers, oh, it must have had something there before, now we're refilling it. But Webster's 1828, which is a much older dictionary, says replenish. Now it says the verb transitive, and basically that's a verb or doing word with a direct object afterwards, okay? Like, like here with the earth being the object, okay? That's what we've just seen, yeah? Replenish the earth. That's a transitive verb. Uh, and, and the meaning, number one, is to fill, to stock with numbers of abundance. It's just to fill, it's not to refill, okay? When it's a transitive verb. So it gives an example, the magazines are replenished with corn, the springs are replenished with water, okay? They're filled with water. That's how that word was until now it's kind of changed, changed meaning. It even gives an example of Genesis 1.28, multiply and replenish the earth. Now, then another not-in-use uh, way it used to be used is to finish or to complete. No one would have thought that, would they? Replenish means to finish. Well, it used to mean that. So words do change with time, don't they? Now, replenish as a verb intransitive. So this is when there's no direct object after them, is when it means to recover former fullness. So had it said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish, then it would have meant, right, from when it was previously full, it's now empty, now you refill. So it's actually just based on what the word used to mean. However, even if it didn't, so say you're like, no, I'm not buying that, brother Ian. Yeah, Webster's must have just got it wrong. You know, all the modern dictionaries say what it means. Well, even if it did mean to refill, you can't then add a whole history of mankind, or, a whole, or maybe it's not mankind, a whole history of the world, or a history of like angels and battles, and then like all these kind of, like your sci-fi geek can come out of you, and you can just start creating all this weird and wonderful doctrine that sounds so exciting and everything else. No, you basically just go, well, well the, the life cycle is life and death. We, we constantly replenish, don't we? So that's what we're doing on a, day, on, a, on a yearly basis, aren't we, in this nation? In fact, on a daily basis. I think it's on a, minute, on a by minute basis in this nation. Someone dies and someone's born. Okay, and you are ultimately replenishing. However, for me, it's just what the word used to use, yeah? And hence, it's really, it, we see it just clearly explained by the context there because we're on day six and he said to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Okay, so point being though, with all of that, and why do people, the other, the other thing that people want to go to and, and, or at least avoid in this, avoid this part of the verse, and the thing that we see a lot over there is the overpopulation myth. Anyone, or oh, I think everyone's heard the overpopulation myth. So this is, and this is quite big out there, isn't it? The world's overpopulated, we're running out of natural resources, that, oh, you know, what are we going to do? If we don't slow down, you know, then we're all going to die or something else, yeah. But, but God said be fruitful and multiply. He said, replenish the earth. So, and, and it's something that I'd looked into before and it seems, I don't know, maybe I'm slightly wrong on England, but you could fit the whole of the world's population into France with a nice parcel of land each. Yeah, they'd have a nice parcel, they could be self-sufficient. 
in France, the whole world's population. It's quite a big place, France, yeah? But you could fit everyone together if, if you wanted to smell each other's armpits in, in a much smaller area, yeah? But if you wanted your own little pasta land and you wanted your own little homestead, you could probably all have a small pasta land. You might be limited on what you had grazing there. Um, in France, yeah? I think is nonsense, okay? It's absolute nonsense. However, it's out there and, it, and people believe this, don't they? And they buy, and then, pe and then you have like these so-called knowledgeable world leaders talking about we need to cut the world's population, and coming out with all these bizarre and wicked ways of doing it. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And again, it just goes completely against the word of God, doesn't it? So straight away, in this first chapter of the Bible, we're just seeing so much which just basically cuts through, that breaks like a hammer, the rock in pieces, that that just burns up so much of this worldly nonsense, so much of the theories of the world. So much of the, the, the stuff being pushed on us, the propaganda being pushed, just smashed. Because God said, he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He said to subdue it as well. And, and, and with that, with that, you know, be fruitful and multiply, don't let anyone shame you for having lots of children. Because they, that's what they like to do, don't they? I mean, we, look, we don't have lots by, by many standards, but, but we all constantly, you see them, they look at you, look at your kids, start looking at all of them, look at my wife, and then some will just sneer. You know, they're looking. <laughs> Usually they're probably the ones with one kid or none, yeah? And, and, but people do, and some will even ask, or some will even say, wow, you know? And, and it's not like, oh, wow, how great, you know? Lots of kids, which is how we should be, shouldn't we? Yeah, you know, like, great, lovely, lots of kids. God said be fruitful and multiply, but instead it'll be some sort of derogatory comment. But you have your hands full, you know, and this sort of thing. And it's, it's terrible, isn't it, really? But that, that's the world out there. And again, and, and really, it's just a lot of the times it's because people are bitter and twisted and angry and nasty because of, you know, the decisions they've made in life or haven't made and everything else. But we don't need to be shamed by that, do we? Now, he also said subdue, OK, which is to conquer, overcome. And, and obviously there's a colon there, which means we're going to see an explanation of it after the colon. He said, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we're commanded to be basically in charge of the animals, to fill the earth our, ourselves. No, we're not the biggest parasite. Yeah, that's another one we hear, don't we? And again, Genesis chapter one just smashes it. You know, the biggest parasite on earth is a human being. In fact, I bet David Attenborough's come out of something like that, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. I bet he will have done something along those lines and what a pest we are. And, and is it parasite? Does he use that word? It'll be something like that, won't it? Some sort of scourge on the world, some sort of plague or something else. And, but God told us, God told us we're in charge and he said to fill it and he said to subdue it. And look, and there's, there's some, you know, obviously we don't want to go too far with this. Yeah, we're in charge, but a righteous man does regard the life of his beast, yeah? Okay, the righteous man regards the life of his beast. We shouldn't just be cruel and horrible to animals, because that's a bit weird if you are, isn't it, yeah? However, the tender mercies of the wicked is cruel. Okay, so those who, who think that they're just so loving and kind to animals, what do they usually put down here when they put the animals up there? Human life. Yeah, these people are full of wickedness, aren't they? These people are like, someone smacked their dog, you know? Quick, get them, they should be killed. Hang them, fight, throw them in prison, ruin their life. And it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? 
What is wrong with you? Looks so, like, you know what? Uh, it's hard to raise a dog without now and again giving them a whack. Yeah, because they're animals. Yeah, they need discipline like our kids need discipline, like everyone else needs discipline. It's madness, isn't it? But people do, don't they? Put the dogs up there and it's like all cuddles and kisses. I love animals so much. And then people down here. You know, you know horrible pests. Pests people and everything else. Tender mercy, tender mercies. Load of old nonsense, isn't it? And all the people I know that worship animals and put them up here, usually are pretty wicked people as well. And they're always God-haters, God-rejecters and everything else. We don't want to even be compared to those sorts of people, do we? Now... We should, still, we should still regard the life of our beasts, so shouldn't we? But we don't have to go, go crazy with it. So we've got this crazy overpopulation myth smashed. We've got the, the you know, we're the parasite, we're the plague smashed by the word of God again, okay? We're told to have that dominion. We're told to fill, fill the earth. We're told to, to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Then verse 29, and God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. So we started off being able to survive, it seems, on what seemed to be a vegan diet. Okay, but this changed post-flood, okay, and obviously I'll preach on this before, and we'll be looking at that uh, in several chapters' time, but it, it changed, okay? But at the beginning, yeah, we were able to, and, and you could argue with this as well. Look, of course he does say the animals shall be for meat, but I don't think, some people go like really far with this, and then it's like they, they want to act like anything that's not like animal product is bad for you or something. And that's, well, they seem to do all right before like pre-flood and Noah, nowhere in his line did come from a pre-flood line right okay so I don't think that suddenly we're unable to digest anything that's plant food at all people always just love to go on extremes don't they like suddenly have this extreme diet and everything else it's just balance in life isn't it and if you ate healthy and natural and good quality natural foods you generally start to crave what is good the problem is that we eat a load of junk and then you get addicted to it and start craving the junk yeah but look there was, it seemed to be vegan. Now, it is an interesting point. Some people believe that regardless, if you think about it, uh, what, 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 was, what was Abel farming? Animals, wasn't he? What was he farming animals for? Maybe people were eating meat. He didn't say you're not allowed to eat meat, did he? He just said that this shall be food for you. Anyway, something we'll look at in a few chapters' time. And it says, in God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day everything was very good right everything was very good it was a, the perfect creation did anyone see a gap in there anywhere anyone see a gap <laughs> was it uh what's that what's that wicked reference was it the schofield reference bible that tried to propagate a gap uh, with a load of other false doctrine yeah, how do people still just take anything that guy said seriously whilst propagating the whole, you know, pre-trib uh, nonsense as well? But, but there is no gap. It, it, just last point on this. If you just read this chapter yourself, you studied out this chapter, you slowly read through this chapter, you would never see any of this stuff, would you? Of, of these millions and billions and trillions and whatever gazillions they want to make up next just to make it sound more believable, you know? If we just keep adding on some years, it'll finally con everyone enough. You'd never see it. And, and, and like I said earlier, what is it? It's compromising. 
is compromising and not being strong enough to just stand on the word of God and say, I don't care what these synagogue of Satan, just absolute God-hating, just reprobate Jews are pushing on the world, yeah? I don't care because I know what the word of God says. But instead, you start merging that and just trying to, then you, what else are you going to merge into the Bible? The whole lot. You just start changing it to what they say. No, we stand on the word of God. The word of God is very clear. It was a six-day creation. And when we add up the numbers, we're going to see that it was a little over 6,000 odd years ago as well. That's when the world was created. That's when mankind was created as well. It was, it, and it was all in six literal days. That's what the Bible says. I'll hang my hat on that. Thank you very much. And not on whatever reprobate theory comes out next. On oh, that, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for, um, well, just the clarity we get from your word, just, you know, the, the, the clear truths we get from your word. Uh, help us not to be swayed, Lord. Help us not to be pushed around by these winds of false doctrine, this, all these compromising liberal sort of just, just you know, buddying up with the world, so-called Christian types that want to add in the world's nonsense into your perfect word. Help us just stand strong in the word, Lord. Um, help us stand strong in the doctrines of the Bible, which includes the six-day creation. Lord, help me, um, help me to preach through this, this, um, this book just, just clearly and, and accurately, Lord, and help everyone to just, you know, really want to, want to just get grounded in what is, you know, the the first book of your holy Bible. Um, help, help me to do that over the next sort of year, Lord, and, and help everyone here now to to go away just just hopefully strengthened by your word, Lord, and and uh, get home safe and sound to have a good week, help everything to go great this weekend, uh, for us to all return safe and sound on Sunday for another day in your house. Jesus' name, for all of this. Amen.